0: From creation, to the flood, to the patriarchs, to Egypt. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. I think that's it. Today we're going to talk about Tamar. Um, It's interesting, we started into the story of Joseph, and the whole rest of Genesis is Joseph, except that for some reason, Moses interjects this whole thing about Tamar. And I think it's because... uh, Joseph is sold into uh, slavery, and uh, so he's with the Midianites, or the Ishmaelites, and um, he has to get all the way from Canaan down into Egypt, and that trip probably took a long time. He was 17 years old, so um, I'm guessing that Moses puts in a filler story uh, to get joseph from where he sold into slavery over to egypt and what happens in egypt so uh, but for whatever reason moses decides to, to share with us this story of tamar now tamar is in the lineage of judah and if that name sounds familiar one of joseph's uh one of jacob's son is judah and judah is the one that god chooses to have the lineage of jesus christ uh of jesus and so um uh, but in order to be in the lineage of Jesus you got to have children right and this runs into a problem for Tamar uh, because uh, well we'll have to see when we write it we're into the story so um let's see any other announcements before we get into this uh, I can't think of any oh yes one announcement um, the, the We Can Do Hard Things conference is tonight. It's hardthingsconference.com. And that takes you to a website and you click on the events and you can RSVP for the event. If you RSVP for the event, I believe they send you an email notification saying, okay, the event, event is about to start. Here's the link. But you don't have to RSVP. You can go to the link. But go to the link tonight because tonight... Uh, my wife, Jennifer, is sharing a great uh, tool to help us understand ourselves. And um, and that's always, always very beneficial. So I think it'll be a great uh, presentation tonight. So you don't want to miss it tonight. Uh, Tuesday night, uh, hard things conference of guest speakers. Jennifer Hook it should be really, really good. And let's see. Yeah, I think that's about all the announcements. So let's go into the story of Judah and Tamar. So we left, this is Genesis 38. We were in Genesis 37 where Joseph gets sold into slavery. Now we're into Genesis 38. So let's just take a look. Um, At that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named Hira. There Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He married her and made love to her, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son whose name was Ur. She conceived again and gave birth to a son named him Onan. She gave birth to still another son and named him Shelah. It was at Kezib that she gave birth to him. So, um, Judah, one of the sons of Jacob, or now named Israel, uh, goes down into Canaan, and he meets this man named Abdullah. uh, Hiram, uh, let's see, he went and stayed with a man of Abdullah named Hira. So he met this man named Hira. Uh, and he has a daughter and her, and so he decides to marry her uh, and make love to her and she becomes pregnant. And what's interesting, let me look at this again. What's interesting is there he met a daughter. He married her, made love to her, she became pregnant. Um, she conceived again by birth, yeah. At this point, we don't know the name of the daughter, do we? Um, that's interesting. So it's not about the daughter; it's about getting pregnant so you can have sons. I think that's interesting. <laughs> Let's look again. So we'll start in verse six again. Judah got a wife of Ur, and for his firstborn and named her, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord put him to death. So, so here's the story. Judah goes to Canaan, meets Hira. Hira has a daughter. We don't know the name of the daughter. Uh, he gets uh, three sons from this. Uh, one of the sons is uh, uh, Onan. The other one is Shelah. And then the other one is uh, Ur. So you have Ur, uh, Onan, and Shelah. Yeah. And then Judah gets a wife for Ur. This is his son, um, His firstborn and and her name was Tamar, so Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and named her Tamar. So Judah has a son, and uh, gets her a wife named Tamar. So he has three sons, and uh, the oldest son he goes and he actually does what Grandpa Isaac or great grandfather Abraham did, you know, went and got a got a wife. So he go gets a wife. His name her name is Tamar. But apparently, Ur, his son, one of the three sons, is a wicked guy and he dies and the Lord puts him to death. Now, that's interesting. So, you have three sons. Judah has three sons. This is the lineage of Jesus. Three sons. The first son is wicked. He's already found a wife for uh, the son. That's Tamar. And now Tamar has no husband. She's now a widow. Now, according to the law of Canaan land and kind of uh, what's going on at this point. At this point, um, for Judah to have a lineage, uh, to carry that firstborn lineage, what should happen is that he should allow the second son then to impregnate Tamar uh, and then have a son. And if that doesn't work, then you have the third son impregnate Tamar. If that doesn't work then you have basically no sons right or you know no progeny and this this is the line of jesus so there needs to be a progeny so um ur impregnates tamar and then ur dies well then what happens let's let's take a look and see then Judah, judah said to onan now onan is the second son let me move up here then judah said to onan verse eight Sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the child would not be his, so whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from providing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death also. Oh my goodness. So this sounds strange to our ears, I know. Um, But basically, if... uh, if Onan does, if uh, Ur, the oldest brother, doesn't have any children. I mean, this is like, you know, medieval England, right? If Ur has no children, uh, then Onan gets all the inheritance to himself. If, uh, if he does have a child, though, if Onan does have a child, then all of the inheritance of Judah goes to that child and it bypasses Onan. So Onan's like, no, wait a minute. I want all the inheritance to myself. Uh, And so every time he is with Tamar, um, he does not uh, complete the act. And uh, so she never gets pregnant. And now God's upset with that. So now we have two boys down, right? We have a daughter. We have a daughter-in-law, the wife of Ur, who's still not pregnant yet. Ur Ur dies, Onan dies, but he's still got another son. So this is going to work out well, right? It's like, let's send in the third boy to impregnate Tamar and then we'll have some grandchildren. Except that doesn't happen that way. Um, Instead, in verse 11, Judah then said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, live as a widow in your father's household until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought he may die too, just like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's household. So now this is fascinating. He needs to have a child, a grandchild for the progeny, right? But instead of having a, instead of sending Shelah to go and impregnate Tamar, he tells Tamar to go back home. He says, "Go back home, and when Shelah is old enough, uh, then you know we'll we'll get you two together." Well, it, it basically what Judah is saying is like, I don't want to risk. You know, the first two, it's like she's like the spider. Um, The black widow spider whatever I mean every time she gets a husband they die, right? Uh, And so the first husband died the second husband died if I send in Shula, he's gonna die too Uh, And or Sheila, he's gonna die too and I don't want my son to die And so I'm gonna hold off on getting my son over to Tamar to, to Impregnate her so that the lineage could go on now. This is very very unfair to Tamar because she basically deserves to have the third son at this point come and impregnate her. And yes, it's a risk. I mean, the other two did die, but they died for reasons. The first one was an evil guy. The second one wasn't fulfilling his brotherly duty. Um, Maybe the third one would do what's right in the sight of the Lord. Uh, But for some, whatever reason, um, Judah does not let those two get together. So now she's stuck. She's stuck at home. She has no children. She has no inheritance. Uh, and she's a widow. And when you were a widow, you had to dress as a widow. Um, the custom was, you know, you, the the whole thing about being a widow is you, you, your your husband's family is supposed to take care of you at this point. They're supposed to give you children. They're supposed to bring you into the tribe, all this sort of thing. And the fact that she's wearing widow's clothes and not with the family of Judah I mean, she's really ostracized. I mean, she really is in a difficult situation. How does she have children if she's not part of the tribe? And um, and now she's with her father and she can't be remarried because she's already a widow. I mean, basically, it's a dead end. Which is unfortunate because how do you have children uh, to be in the lineage of Jesus if you're at a dead end? Well, you could say, well, Shula... um, You know, he could go or she is Shula, whatever his name is. Yeah, Um, he could go out and and get another wife, except he can't because the laws were if, you know, once he's old enough and can start impregnating women, he has to go back and fulfill the duty with Tamar. Uh, And so that won't work. I mean, the whole situation is stuck. And it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And why isn't it going anywhere? It's because Judah thinks that uh, Tamar is a jinx. The first two sons died if the third son goes to Tamar, he's gonna die so why bother? And so he's separating them and making a difficult situation and unfortunately Tamar uh, has to carry the brunt of this. Well, I guess the third son Shula has to you know carry the brunt of this also but um, but anyway, that's uh, that's kind of where we are. so... Um, So let's go back to verse 12 and just see how this story continues. Um, So Tamar went to live with her father's household. Verse 12. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. And when Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Timnah to the men who were shearing his sheep, and his friend Hira, the Adulamite, went with him. So, So... Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. So now Judah can't have any more children, right? Because his wife just died and he's grieving. So he goes up to Timnah uh, to see the sheep who are being sheared and he went with his friend Hira. And if we we'll remember, Hira was uh, the, the father of his wife. So basically his wife died unexpectedly and now he takes his father-in-law, I guess and they go down to Shimnah. Uh, so verse 13, when Tamar was told your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down in the entrance to Ename, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that though Shelah had now grown up, she had not been given to him as a wife. So she's on to the game. It's like, he's old enough, we could do this thing, I could have children, you're just holding him back from me. Uh, And so she takes matters into her own hands. And so she goes, she takes off her widow's clothes, she covers herself with a veil, she disguised herself, and then she sits down to the entrance of an Um. So, this is interesting, why? Well, we'll find out. Verse 15, when Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute. For she had covered her face, and not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her by the roadside and said, Come now, let me sleep with you. Okay, so this is... Now, this is hard also, because um, we just don't have this practice anymore. But they had things called temple prostitutes. And um, this is all Canaanite religion stuff. uh, Which was a... I keep thinking... But if you're going to have a religion, you know, that's that's probably the easiest religion of all. So basically what happens in this religion is that you have temple prostitutes. And so uh, this is the way the temple makes money. This is the way the priests make money. They find young ladies, they send them out in front of the temple. Guys come by and it's a prostitution rink. Uh, Ring and they say, yeah, you know, you can have your way with me, but you got to make a payment for me. And so the guy's like, okay, I'll give you fifty bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever. And then that money then goes back to the temple. Uh, And then if the prostitute has a child, well, that's easy too. You could sacrifice the child in the temple. I mean, it's all—it's hideous. It's—it's just an absolutely hideous system. But preying on the desires of men it's not a bad system i mean it's uh it's a pretty easy system to set up right um and there are even american deviations of this kind of thing maybe not as bad as canaanite religion right but um you know having multiple wives and multiple children and stuff like that. anyway so um but uh they um basically this is the way they would set it up um And the temple prostitute was basically property of the temple. Uh, They would earn money. You know, the temple would pimp them out. They would earn money, Uh, and if they, if by chance they got pregnant, then the the child is sacrificed. I mean, this is just how they. This is how the temple operated. Uh, And so Judah is going by the wayside. He sees a woman. He thinks that's the temple prostitute, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll do this," and um, and so he's he's ready to to. uh, to make a deal with this prostitute, which is interesting because that's not part of the Abrahamic religion. It's not part of the covenant, um, which is interesting also. You shall have no gods but me. Uh, you know, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, and yet he's he's going outside of that tribe. And, uh, well, let's just see what happens. So, we'll yeah. Verse 16, come now, let me sleep with you. And what will you give me to sleep with you? She asked. I'll send you a young goat from my flock, he said. So she's like make brokering a deal here. It's like, yeah, what are you going to give me? You have nothing on you, you know? Uh, And then she says, uh, verse 17, "Uh, will you give me something as a pledge until you send it? She asked. He said, what pledge should I give you? And she said, well, your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she became pregnant by him. And after she left, she took off her veil and put on her widow's clothes again. So basically, here we go. Made a deal. Uh, I'll give you a goat from my flock. Well, you have no goat on you. Well, then give me your cord and your staff. So he gives her the cord and staff. Um, So now the deal has been struck. She's not pregnant. Uh, she's pregnant from her father-in-law, and uh, she's a pretty clever, clever girl. So, what does does Judah fulfill his to fulfill? Does Judah get a goat and send it back so that he can get his cord and his staff back? Well, let's find out. Uh, verse twenty. Meanwhile, Judah sent the young goat by his friend to the Adullamite, his friend the Adullamite, in order to get his pledge back from the woman, but he did not find her. Uh, so he asked the men who lived there, where's the shrine prostitute who is beside the road at Iname? So he sends the goat back. I want my rod. I want my, I want my staff. I want my cord. Uh, here's the goat. My friend, go find this woman, get, get my cord and my staff back and then I'll have a goat. So the guy goes, uh, there, uh, and to, to look for the temple prostitute. Uh, says, where? where's the temple prostitute and and what happens? Uh, well, let's see <laughs> There hasn't been any shrine prostitute here they said So he went back to Jude and said I didn't find her besides the men who lived there said there hasn't been any shrine Prostitute there. Oh my goodness. So now he finds out what in the world is going on I made this deal with the temple prostitute the shrine prostitute uh, and it's not there. What the heck is going on? I don't understand. Um, well, let's, what does, how, what does he do? So verse 23, then Judah said, well, let her keep what she has or we will become a laughing stock. After all, I did send her this young goat, but you didn't find her. So he's saying, I kept my part of the bargain. I sent the goat to make the swap to get my stuff back. She's gone. She presented herself as a temple prostitute, but I don't want to be a laughing stock. So well, let's just forget the whole thing. So he forgets the whole thing but not tamar 24. about three months later judah was told your daughter-in-law tamar is guilty of prostitution and as a result she is now pregnant and judah said bring her out and have her burned to death so um, she gets pregnant tamar is now in her father's household she gets pregnant and judah's like you're not supposed to get pregnant unless it's from my son And uh, I held him back from you on purpose because I didn't want him to die. And now you're pregnant. And so by right, and this is all so foreign to us, but by right, he can have her killed uh, because she went outside of the line of Judah to have a child. And that is not the way it was supposed to happen. Um, So, And this is all on Judah. I mean, Judah is to blame for all this. He's to blame for having a son that was wicked. He was to blame for having the second son who's probably also wicked because he doesn't fulfill his brotherly duty. The third son doesn't seem to be uh, taking ownership of the situation and doing the right thing and arguing with his father to go and impregnate Tamar. Uh, I mean, the whole thing is messed up. And the only person in this whole story that seems to be doing anything about this is Tamar. Um, So, uh, But now she's going to be burned to death. Uh, according to the story. So let's see what happens. Verse 25. As she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, See if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. Dun, 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 dun. And Judah recognized them and said, Now this is interesting. She is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son Sheila and he did not sleep with her again so um, she's about to be put to death and she says now wait a minute the person who impregnated me uh, here's here's his stuff let's take a look and then Judah recognizes that the jib is up right the whole the whole game is up he should have sent his son Sheila to impregnate Tamar he didn't do that he's in the wrong Uh, the older two boys are in the wrong Everybody's in the wrong except for Tamar. Tamar took matters in her own hand and did the right thing uh, to be able to give a son to Judah. And as soon as he realizes that this whole thing is up, um, instead of having her stoned, um, you know, instead of saying, well, that's not my stuff, it cuts him to the heart and he realizes how wrong he was. And then he says an interesting thing She is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son, Sheila. So he recognizes that she's done the righteous thing. 27. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. And as she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand. So the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it on his wrist and said, this one came out first. But when he drew back his hand, his brother came out and she said, so this is how you have broken out. And he was named Perez, and then his brother who had the scarlet thread on his wrist came out, and he was named Zerah. And uh, isn't it interesting? There seems to be twins in this family line of Judah, right? Because uh, uh, Jacob and Esau are twins, and now uh, Zerah and Perez are twins. Of course, the first one to come out of the womb gets this little scarlet thread, tied on okay that's the firstborn but he's not the first he stuck his hand out but he's not the first one out of the womb which is interesting um so uh don't know if the lineage goes through Zerah or if it goes through perez i guess we could take a look and see in the lineage of jesus which one gets this i'll do that for tomorrow that would be interesting um my guess is knowing how god works um, that the old the first one to come out of the womb is going to be the older brother, but the one that gets the blessing is the one with the scarlet. Um, so we'll have to look that up. All right. So, and again, what, why is this story here? I mean, it's a strange story. Uh, Moses uh, is telling the story of Joseph and he interjects this story. Well, he's, Judah is part of the lineage of Jesus. So we, we have to kind of track along with Judah because he ends up being the lineage of Jesus. And also it's an interesting story. It it gives us a little bit of an insight into the Canaanite practices, pre-Mosaic law, about how these things were to be dealt with and how Judah, you know, we talk about the line of Judah and Jesus is the line of Judah and uh, King David comes from the line of Judah. Everybody is from the line of Judah. Well, Judah is a schmuck. (laughs) He doesn't do the right thing, but he finds a Canaanite woman, a Canaanite woman who does the right thing. And so he ends up having children. Uh, He ends up having progeny, which is just remarkable. Um, God always gets his will done. When God wants to get something done, he gets it done. Uh, Through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now Judah. And all these people were the promise to be the lineage of Jesus. And men keep trying to screw it up and muck it up by taking things in their own hands to outthink God and it, and God's like, no, I've got a plan. Trust me. And it's so hard for us to trust God when his plan just doesn't make any sense. Uh, his plan, uh, doesn't seem like it's ever going to be fulfilled. Uh, but when God makes a promise, he keeps his promise. And of course, the greatest promise is that through Jesus, we can be in the kingdom. I mean, that's the ultimate promise. And so, um, uh, and, and God is a very, very faithful God. He is extremely faithful and he keeps his promises. And that's something that we can cling to uh, in this whole time of the coronavirus, that God clings to his promises. So I think we'll end it just a minute early today. Um, we will meet again tomorrow, Wednesday. Thanks for joining me. Uh, we will continue the story of Joseph. This was just a little brief story about Tamar. Very fascinating, uh, but we'll close in prayer. Dear God, we thank you that you are faithful. Uh, Be with us today uh, in this beautiful day. Uh, Fill us with your love and joy and peace. In Jesus' name.